very special for many reasons. I've been waiting to talk about this game for the past 16 years, man. So as soon as I open that one, I want to get right going. Maybe for the first 30 or 40 minutes to talk about other shit. Here we go! Games Arcade Weekly, the weekly review show where we talk about magic, supernatural. For some reason, this thing, Google, thought mm-hmm. that I asked it about magic and it said it's here to help. It just thought David I said magic. Copperfield? It's showing some books that have the flesh wrappings that you might see in the fake Necronomicon and stuff like that. or the Oh, so the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Or Evil Dead series. Hey, I am Wiggly on the, what are we, Discording? That's right. Yeah, on the Discord. That's Kyle Von Kubik there. Yo, it's your boy, Kyle Von Kubik. Make sure you click that bell, click subscribe, leave a comment below. Even better, ring the bell. Hey, guys. Yo, guys. What's up, guys? <laughs> Fucking every YouTuber. <laughs> Just show me the abandoned theme park. I don't give a fuck about your stupid animations or you as a person. Hey, all my talk gamers. (laughs) Stinky needs a YouTube channel. All 25 people that are on my YouTube. (laughs) I did the same thing with Twitter. I just had too many followers. I wanted to go back to three. (laughs) I had thousands of followers on YouTube. I'm just going to open another channel and have 20 followers. We we did that with our Facebook page. We did that with the podcast feed, I think. Yeah. Fuck them. That's right. We don't need you. (laughs) I was Rome built. Burning fucking bridges. (laughs) No, thank you for being out there, everybody. And you actually opened a store, Kyle Von Kubik. That's right, OneRadT.com. That's where all my designs are for the uh, limited small batch art apparel that I make. All the designs that have been crowdfunded in the past. Why would you even do that? Who cares? Do what? Make shirts. Yeah, draw. Some people draw on paper or paint on canvas. I print limited run t-shirts. Yeah, but why draw? Why create? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's easier just to destroy like everything else around us right now as the just world's melting. Take a nap. <laughs> yeah. Depression getting you down? <laughs> Try drinking. That helps me. <laughs> Let's find out more about one rat tea because you do make the raddest teas that I've ever worn. And then get butt hurt. <laughs> yes. And then uh if you want to save by 15%, the Mega Man series. <laughs> if you want to save fifteen percent at checkout of yes. your entire order, just enter promo code butthurt and you'll get 15% <laughs> you, off immediately. You fucker. And we, sh- <laughs> and we ship across these beautiful United States. Man. But act fast because a lot of uh, variants are selling out. I'm acting like I never heard that before on the last show we did together. 
you're doing very good at your yes ending. Oh, that's an improv joke. I guess you're not familiar with. <laughs> oh no, in no, improv no, I, no. you always yeah. say yes end. Uh huh. Uh huh. Not uh-huh. no but. Right. You right, do right. more no button <laughs> than most improvers would tolerate. But. I do more butt hurts. Yes. Well, I'll tell you why too. I just got my docs cucked. Oh, uh, you snowflake. Yeah. I don't know why it happened, but evidently that's what went on. Today we're talking about an arcade yes. game. Did you did you hear I said it was called Arcade Weekly? I did hear that. Yeah, I do gonna, you know what game we're talking about. Are we doing arcade again? I'm excited. We're also going to do the Super Nintendo version of it. As you know, this is something that I think was very interesting that David added to the show is that we needed someone else to help us do the shows because we're busy. You have a child. We are life doing people now. I can't do podcasting full time, although I wish the hell oh, I could. I wish we could. Like I did back in the day when I had to eat the stale bread. All you have to do is take the stale parts and just tear them out a little bit, and I, it's perfectly fine bread. I watched you eat dry ramen. I don't know why, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> it's just as good. <laughs> and then you know, chase it with that pack. Bang. Anyway, now that dinner really for happen. two. When Perkins didn't make me shit my pants oh, uh, boy. right after you eat it. Did you hear that Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, Ella Fitzgerald are buying the Perkins? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, they're going to call it Salmonella's. Great. Salmonella. <laughs> I got you. Salmonella. Who's Sammy Davis? <laughs> who's Sammy Davis Jr. and Ella Fitzgerald? <laughs> they don't even know who Leatherface is. My God. <laughs> oh, God. Who, what's going on? <laughs> I wanted to bring this up last episode when we were talking about this, but I walked into a pizzeria back when you could walk into a pizzeria. <laughs> right. Uh, the good times. Yes. And there were children, you know, preteens or early teens, watching TBS or something on the, the television that was up on the wall. And it was Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls <laughs> that was playing. And they, yeah. were, they were watching it. I was waiting for my order to be ready. I'm listening in on their conversation. And... The one child says to the other child, what movie is this? And he goes, oh, this is India Jones. <laughs> India Jones. And he's like, wow, he's like, the, the special effects look really good. He goes, yeah, I think this is the first one. <laughs> and I was like, I'm old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first one well, as you know, CGI monkeys are yeah, jumping around their jeep. <laughs> oh my God, swinging through the vines like Tarzan yeah. of the Flash, Tarzan of the Apes. Who cares? So today we're going to talk about it. I thought there was something else I needed to say before that, but then I thought about pizza. Okay, so, oh yeah, eating stale bread. But, but, but back then, Jesus Christ, I was writing one original song every two weeks and modifying a, a remix of the Magic Milkshake Machine song. Mm. Plus, I would do five shows sometimes per week. Video programs, I never missed one week of the podcast at GoGo for 250 episodes. Yeah, and I missed this show like three times this week. <laughs> <laughs> I only missed it once. I wouldn't say I missed it. Mm. No, I did miss it, motherfucker. Because I can't remember what games I played for who and where, when, when, what. But this game I do remember, and I'm so happy that we're talking about an arcade game. And, you know, I didn't realize it was an arcade game until after I played it for the Super Nintendo. And I didn't realize what it was until I played it in the arcade because 
don't ask me why I didn't make the correlation. It's so freaking obvious from the flaming unicorn right on the title screen. It's obvious it should have rang a billion bells in my head, but I guess it was from the years that Ring that bell, click subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was the thing I was talking about. David brought in, the new David came from the NES and the Super Nintendo are his favorite systems, whereas my second favorite game is the Neo Geo. And my first favorite game is the PC Engine Graphics 16. It's just my favorite game. And sometimes I play it with the Pachinko controller. No matter what game it is, I'm playing the TurboGrafx-16 game or the PC Engine game. Hey, dude, I got to tell you, I have the Super Graphics. I have the White Duo R from Japan, and I have the original TG-16 with the giant typewriter case and the thing that would have cost you $1,300 to purchase right. today, like the yeah. Atari 2600. And <laughs> <laughs> still trying to make that happen. Uh, hashtag 2000. You got to write it out in, with yeah. words. Next thing we're going to do is write the Atari 2600 with the Roman numerals. Oh, nice. The MXCC. Well, XC. I don't know why the fuck. I, oh, yeah. So that's why I wanted to do games that could tie in to the NES or the Super Nintendo, because I knew he could also play the arcade games because he has one of those magic sticks. What do you call those things that they're built right into the controller? Several hundred games in each giant two-player controller. It's not a JAMA board. I know what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Stop screaming at your radios, listeners. It's not helping. Pandora. It's Pandora. Pan- it's a Pandora it. box. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can buy the box separate, I guess, but most of them just come with the joysticks. Now, can you emulate your Atari MMDC on the Pandora box? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I googled Roman numerals. Did right? you really? That's yeah. really fun. Yeah, MM would be two hundred. That's really good. And what C C is DC? Oh, DC. DC. I forget DC. I didn't forgot about D. Huh. That's where it gets confusing. Is once you huh. get into like the thousands, the right. ten places get weird. So. I just got my docs cucked again. Oh, boy. Yeah. So that's why we did that and brought that in. But no, he has that. And I have, of course, the double pro fighter. (laughs) Right. Uh, When I want to play a Super Nintendo game, I got to load five different discs. Part one of (laughs) part three of five. And uh oh, my disc four of five is corrupt. I can't play Super Q-Bert. It's kind of like e-reader cards with three and a half floppies. It is. Yeah. And the Super FX games, forget it. They can't They can't play because it doesn't have the extra chipmunks. But the reason it is the Duble the, the, the Fighter is because <laughs> you could also shove that in your Genesis. There's two separate changeable bottom parts that you put in there. So if you notice on the top of the album art from however many uh, shows ago that was, where we played Goof Troop, you would back up games from your Genesis by sticking in in Gen- Now, you wouldn't rent these games from the Blockbuster video take them home for one day and take them back the next day even though you ran in them for three days and you're bringing it back the next day what's going on here this was kind of cool back in the day to double pro fight i think that's what it's called double pro fight i think i called it the wrong thing last time but it's such a weird fucking name so who the hell cares sure what i want to do is talk about today one let's of my talk favorite, about it yes and i played this for the super nintendo on my open mu but i played the arcade version on my main machine why the fuck did i say that it's so stupid (laughs) 
<laughs> I played it on the arcade machine the most, and I think yeah. you played the Super Nintendo one the most. But I played the Super Nintendo so much that I remember it from when I purchased it way back in the day. I just had to take a little refresher. Not didn't even really do it. I like I put it in and just saw just what you could start just to just to see what you could start with because that's what I didn't recall I, I didn't recall if you were limited to what you had in the arcade to start with or you could just start with anything what we're talking uh-huh. about today is UN Squadron and I would consider this a launch title for the Super Nintendo in America although it's not considered that because it came out in December of that year But a lot of games came out around that same time, and I'll talk about why this was so special to me and why I was so glad that someone finally did this game with me. Wait till you see how this all comes together and the heartwarming story that will pull on your heart. (laughs) Probably won't. No one will care. (laughs) No one will care. Only I will care about this and and have the tingly feelings. But it's called UN Squadron. (laughs) And what a stupid cover. Because what am I playing? (laughs) Air combat? The cover is a real person in a jet fighter. That is absolutely nothing what UN Squadron is like. UN Squadron is a side-scrolling shooter made by Capcom. Normally, it's a forced uh, left-to-right shooter, but as a very interesting mechanic that I'd never seen before. That doesn't mean that it didn't exist before because I got fooled thinking that Robotech, for the Super Nintendo Robotech, I think Battle Cry, where you could absorb your enemy and use that enemy, sort of like Kirby, sort of like what Kirby mm-hmm. does, except that instead of becoming that enemy, you hypnotize the enemy ship and make that enemy ship fight his own I was going to say sortes because of this game. You make him fight his own brethren. brethren. You make his fun, you make his fucking fight your enemy. You turn your him. friend is my enemy is your. You know what I'm trying to say. We're not going to get fooled again. These kids got to go home and listen to their radio. I mean, listen to their record player. He's a yo-yo. I probably should have said that a pogo stick and the lawn dart. You Don't know what I'm talking about. That. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. I do know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay, yo-yo, pogo stick, frisbee. Frisbees are kind of hacky sack, and that's even too new. Okay, everybody, I'm trying to bring RoboForce back. Max Steel, let's go. UN Squadron. And what I was saying was that a game that I would love to review with us because I love Galaga. That's the game I'm saying wrong. It should be Galaga. That's a fucking children's show from the 90s. No, no, because A is a in Japanese. Uh So it doesn't have like an I around it to make it an A sound. So it should be Galaga. I'm not calling it Galaga. Me either. It's fucking Galaga. And so my favorite game is Galaga 88, of course, in the Galaga Mm -hmm. series, which (laughs) there's only three games in the Galaga series. (laughs) Or was there? Yes. No, there's got to be at least 87 other games. (laughs) So in between Galaga 88 and the original Galaga was Galaopolis. Why can't I think of it? Galagus. I think it was called Galagus. And that's that one, instead of building the twin fighter, instead of building the triple fighter, you could also capture your enemy and make him fight against the other Galagus. Yes. Yeah. Galagus coming at you. 
Stop so, saying that. So uh, even though that's a vertical shooter versus the horizontal of the Robotech. But this game features something unlike a Defender or a Fantasy Zone where you could decide to go left or right or whatever you want to do. This is a forced left-right shooter. You are not in a spaceship. You are in a jet fighter because it's based on the anime Area 88. And right. what is interesting about this is when you go past one of the boss ships, if you didn't destroy it in the first run, you turn around and you go back the other way to try to blow the rest of the ship up. And I think they don't call them battleships in Area 88, but they call them some type of land carrier. So it's like an aircraft carrier that would go in the ocean, but it goes on land. And I think it's mm-hmm. called a land carrier or something like this. I can't remember that exactly. But you take a second pass, and then, once again, if you didn't defeat all the turrets or whatever, or that boss, you, your plane does this really cool turnaround, Super and it's around, just yeah. surprising. It's surprising. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I missed all the points that I could have gotten from that ship. Now I'm screwed. Uh, no, you yeah. turn around, you destroy the whole thing. There's also another really cool part of this is, number one, it's a Capcom game, so it's a solid shooter. and. Oh, yeah. The artwork's great, using muted tones, which I really, really enjoy. It looks great in the arcade, of course, as well. And Capcom actually modified the game there themselves when they brought it to the Super Nintendo console. And they did it in a way that kept it the same game, but added... We'll talk about what it added, but I mentioned that we're going to do a grinding game. You don't grind mm-hmm. in the arcade, but you, you grind at home if you want to beat this game handily. handily. Yeah. You want to grind or else you're going to just be dead. But the fact that it's based on Area 88, and I'll tell you about Area 88, the uh, OVA. It came in a two-laser disc set. You can watch this on YouTube. It was one of the first laser discs I owned of an anime, and it was a really unique anime i don't think there was an anime like it up to that point i'm not even sure there is an anime like it after that point i mean there are some very serious enemies like akira and shit like that Mm -hmm. shit like that i say uh and (laughs) and, entry level anime things if you're our age i guess i had no idea what area 88 was going into this game Uh, you do see that you're at a 88 as you take off and you're playing yes. in the Super Nintendo. I right. really want to bring this in after we talk about little bits of this because we'll see how it does tie into these games. As I mentioned, it's a left-to-right shooter. There's three mm-hmm. main characters that both are in the arcade game and in the Super Nintendo version. I yes. think the arcade game could be two-player simultaneous, but I might be incredibly wrong because I didn't try to play it that way, and I'm kind of uh, Mm -hmm. sad that I didn't get to play it that way, because I really should have. One of three characters. You could be Yoshimitsu. (laughs) (laughs) He's in everything. No, uh, you could be Shin. Shin Kazama. Shin Kazama, who uh, flies... Well, here comes one of the first first differences. He flies the uh, um, F-20 Tiger Shark in the Mm -hmm. arcade game you can play mickey you can tell like he's got an attitude mickey's been doing this a while he's the ice man exactly and he flies in a tomcat the f-14 tomcat which is the cadillac of the sky no it's not Mm -hmm. and then or you could be greg greg gates which uh is an odd pool because there's other characters in the anime that are as on the same level as him 
like a good pull was Mickey because Mickey's pretty tight with Shin. But Greg Gates is such a fucking character that they put him in there and he flies the A-10, which is a big bulky flying machine. Mm-hmm. It's like a Zeppelin. <laughs> it's a dirigible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God, did I ever tell you about the time that my mom and I were watching television and this, you know, back big console on the floor in the living room and we saw a UFO? No, well, share this. I don't think you've ever told this on a podcast. I have never. I have never. All right, let's hear Dude. it. So you and your but mom UFO. have LSD band-aids on. Dude, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, we were just sitting watching. I don't know what the hell we were watching. Probably uh, All in the Family or something as it Dinosha- really aired. Dinosaur. <laughs> the Dinosaur show. Who's the oldest uh, talk show host? Dinosaur. You know I love the old jokes. <laughs> I know. Who's Dinosaur? Well, she was on right after Mike Douglas. So we saw this fucking UFO and... This was after Close Encounters came out. And oh my God, mm-hmm. these lights were going around like nuts. And it was like this huge thing. out, And we saw it across two rooms through the dining room window. And it was the scariest fucking things. And our hearts were pounding. It was a Goodyear blimp. <laughs> Goodyear, Goodyear blimp at night. Doing the advertisements on the right. side of the blimp. What a trip that was. Holy Christ. Beautiful. It Beautiful. was. It was amazing. Now, listen, I wasn't an adult when this happened. <laughs> you know, I, sure, was, I wasn't sure. even a teen. It was a preteen. Now, you discovered, though, at that time that it was just a blimp and not the UFO. Absolutely. But that didn't okay. stop me from, from still wanting to investigate. Yeah. Well, not believing. Wanting to investigate deeper into things. Gotcha. I wouldn't say I believed things. Would you say you wanted to believe? <laughs> no. Drop in the X Files. That's really funny. So let's right talk right. about the fourth gen system, and let's talk about yeah, the. Uh, this is the only system that Area Eighty Eight came for, as far as the horn, 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 horny consoles. <laughs> as far as as far as the horny, as far as Those the horny consoles. consoles. Yes, and yeah. it did come out for you know like the C sixty four and the. You know, oh boy, Amstrad Army yeah. Strong, and yeah, I saw things. U.S. Gold ported this, and I'm gonna <laughs> just guess that that's a bag of garbage. <laughs> One of my anything favorite. U.S. Gold put out was a bag of oh, garbage. Oh, you're, you're shitting. Now all the all the people from England are gonna yell at me because I can't remember the 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 actual game system that it is, but it's the one that is the monochrome. It's monochrome, but it could do the ZX could, Spectrum. Is it the ZX Spectrum? It's yeah, monochrome, but it could do shit. colors, you know? Well, I, yeah. I know that you say it's a bag of shit. It's a bag I, of shit, and England can eat my whole ass. It sucks. But I got to tell sorry. you, I love how it's those blocks of color and how the programmers had to sort of translate these games and these... Like, I talk about this a lot when we talk about the Lion Tamer game, Zookeeper. I didn't develop a computer system for Jet Set fucking Willy. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. That's really funny. That's really funny. That's an actual quote. Quote um, from Sinclair himself about right. the ZX Spectrum. Yes. I will give England uh, this, though. They did a great job making an affordable computer for the every person so that they could have a uh, Jet whole generation... Jet said fucking willy, but also have a whole generation of young programmers who would teach Nintendo how to use their own hardware. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. very impressive. True. Where, 
you know, we were busy playing the Atari MMTC <laughs> and learning fuck all. <laughs> hey, didn't you ever play Basic? Basic was great to write with that joystick. <laughs> <laughs> so you won England in the grand scheme of things. ZX Spectrum or ZX Spectrum, if you will. Right. Bag of garbage. But you at least learn how to program. Honestly, I really love how they block out those colors. Unfortunately, Area 88 doesn't do that very well because most of it has to stay in the grayscale areas and you can't tell the difference mm-hmm. between the foreground from the background. But the, the right. blocking of colors, as an artist, dude, as an artist, look at the Batman on there, the isometric Batman, and how they blocked out the colors on that. Or even any, even any game, really. If you take a shot of that, and put it on a canvas. Honest to God, that would look like someone actually trying to do that. <laughs> well, as a guy who has sold stuff at conventions, there mm-hmm. are people who literally do like paint by numbers with the squares <laughs> right, right, and do right. sell that. And I could see some of that stuff. The things that were developed for the ZX Spectrum, not ported to it, but actually like we were joking right, about Jet right. Set Fucking Willy. Yes. Well, Jet Set Fucking Willy was made for that computer. That's why people remember it so fondly i do have an affinity for the art style and those garish colors that the uh, computer system output but like something like this or anytime they would try to port some i think street fighter was ported to the set right yeah yeah that's when it was i can't believe how far they went with that system that's a whole nother topic that we'll never do because we don't own that uh, right. And, you know, if we did own it, it, we'd bite a lead pipe and jump off the roof. So sure. these are the three characters you get to choose when you're playing the arcade. And each of them has their benefits. And each of them start with those planes. The F-20 yeah. Tiger Shark is a quick plane and it does shit. Tomcat is uh, flown by the Mickey. The best there is. They're best the best <laughs> yeah. the best there ever will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that does some shit. That's what I beat the game with when I played it again for for this show. And they do different things. They get different power-ups and stuff like that. The big difference really is the A-10. And the A-10 is uh, the one that's uh, uh, flown by um, Yo-Yo Pogo Stick. (laughs) Greg Gates? Greg Gates. He's the only one that I'll say the last name of because he's from Denmark and I can I know how to say that. Name. <laughs> Actually, Mickey's from America. Mickey's an American. Yeah, well, he's flying the Tomcat, so sure. Absolutely. He had that Grumman sticker on his helmet. Yeah. And the unicorn thing is from Shin. Shin Kazumi. Kazami. What's his name? Kazuya. Uh, I want to Kazama. 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 Okay. Yeah. Shin Kazama. So in the arcade you have an interesting thing about a shooter. You have a life bar. The other mm-hmm. interesting thing about this Capcom shooter is that it's rather slow. It's a slow-paced game. And you flight, you, you flight, stick, <laughs> you, you fight, fight around. You fight other planes, stealth bombers. Uh, you fight some ships. You mm-hmm. fight... Uh, ba- submarine. Uh, submarine. The Super Nintendo version of Submarine... Much better than the arcade version of submarines. Okay, the okay. submarine in the in the arcade, just a fucking tube, what's oh. long, hard, and full of semen. This submarine just floating in front of the battleship that you actually really want to fight. 
the good thing about the A10 is that it can fu- it can fl- fart for <laughs> instantly. It can fire forward and downward at the same time. But pretty yes. much, it's you know it's a strong ship, but pretty much a shitty ship. The other ones you need to get bombs and stuff like that. And the other thing about this is that you buy things from a shifty looking old man called McCoy that will sell you different power ups for different prices. I work with a guy who looked exactly like that he dude. Had a big wart on his nose. Yeah, he looked I, <laughs> wow. like, I'm like, oh my God, is this, and I won't say his last name, is this a character of Kevin so-and-so? He was a pressman and he stunk like uh, weak old gym socks, I but see. he looked like that dude. Mm, 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 to mm. a T. That means nothing to nobody but me. Yeah. Now, did he sell you stuff like anything from nuclear warheads to camera film? Camera I mean, he film, sold himself. We thought he was a better pressman than he actually ended up being. Oh, wow. Very good. Yeah, so. Now, did he have yeah. to meet with clients? Wow, we're getting off. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> so uh, that's the arcade. You fight a lot of different airplanes. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful-looking shooter. You go through a place that could be like Vietnam because you're mowing down trees. But they look more like maple trees, I think, than any type of uh, hot-weather tree. There's desert. There's um, a lot of different, lot of different places, and at the end of each level, you fight a boss. Yeah, and enemies are coming from the back of you. They're coming from the forward of you. They're coming from the bottom of you, and the red enemies will drop power ups. Now the power ups are different colors, like blue or green. <coughs> but the enemy that you always get them from is the one that's colored red. Uh, out of the mm-hmm. other ones, colored in the color that sort of matches what the aircrafts look like like candy crush exactly like that <laughs> exactly like that and uh but you think that okay it's gonna give you different powers it doesn't it just powers up your ship uh, yeah. in a way that the different colors equal different levels of upgrade and there's a lot based around money and i'll tell you why about that and you play this on the super nintendo first and you yep. shot me a, a pretty interesting text initially mm-hmm. do you remember what that was i know it was like uh, a year f- ago <laughs> yeah my first text i don't remember it was about this being like a role-playing game yes so i love shooters uh, we've talked about many many shooters on this now program. are you a shooter guy i am a shooter guy <laughs> I do like shooters, and I also if you're gonna like. You're going to do butt hurt. I'm going to do. I'm not really a shooter guy. I never said that. <laughs> I know, but I'm. I'm saying. <laughs> I know you're. I know what you're saying. I am a shooter guy. I'm okay, also a top down strategy guy. Mm-hmm. So I like your shining force. I like your fire emblem. I like your civilization. Now, did you like Thunder Force Two? I've never played Thunder Force 2. You played Thunder Force 3 on the Genesis, right? Yeah. yeah. And Thunder Force 2 was sort of like that, a little bit less in the graphics, but I think it was every other level was top-down, and that part sucked. It was sort of like ActRaiser sucked oppositely of ActRaiser 2 because they took out the building part of ActRaiser. They made ActRaiser, who the cares, go. Yeah. So... (laughs) The top-down aspect is just the map of where you get to choose your next mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be forthright about this. Yes. I did not get very far in this game. I ate shit the entire time. This game kicked my ass. I switched it to easy. I still had my ass kicked in. 
but I enjoyed playing the game. And for me, it's interesting because I'm not one for games that are simply of the philosophy of get good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if you try to search cheat codes for UN Squadron for the Super Nintendo, because I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I you're you not going to find anything worthwhile. You need you need a second controller <laughs> to do the one cheat code. And I think that's yeah. to make it <laughs> the harder, even harder. Right, than to the make hardest. it the harder level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you need the game genie, basically. So this game is brutal, but I wanted to keep playing this game because after each defeat... I got more money to spend on better equipment, to spend on better planes, to do better. And I was getting better as I played, but I sunk uh, quite a number of hours into the game and did not progress past maybe four battles total from the top. And where it goes into this strategy or the RPG aspect is obviously the upgrading system, right? You can upgrade your weapons, you can upgrade your plane, yada, yada, yada. There's no experience, but there's money. The strategy aspect of it is the overworld map that it shows you between these battles is constantly moving. So with each defeat, the enemy is encroaching on your Area 88. And again, I have no background on the anime. I've never watched a second of it. Or maybe even known about it because it showed a regular fighter pilot. So how the hell would you know it's from anything else except this game? Yeah, I got cheated as a child because if I got this as a birthday present or a Christmas present back in the day, yes, it would have kicked my ass in, but I would have kept playing it because Mm. you got anime. It's a shooter. I can upgrade. That's all I needed from a game. This would have carried me through a few years of playing the Super Nintendo, but I would have never asked for this game looking at the box art because it looks like a fucking flight sim. And that uh, uh, yeah. kind of looks boring to me. Yeah. Had I had no idea back. what this game was about. And like I said to uh, Wiggly over a text message, uh, for me, this feels very much like a super graphics or a PC engine type game in its presentation it's the thematic attitude the anime aspect of it all Mm -hmm. even the you touched on the color palette it doesn't feel like a super nintendo game it's the muted tones there's a lot of parallax happening the visual presentation just reads very nec pc engine to me Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i was digging it i was really digging this game and just as a comparison because you brought up mega man a little while ago i'm playing mega man 9 And that's another game that's of the philosophy of get good. Right. I don't want to play a fucking second. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, I don't want to play a fucking second more of Mega Man 9. It's not a fun game, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spoil all my feelings about the game, but I've been playing the game. I'm not enjoying it. All right. I've played nine of these games so far, back to back to back. This one is the worst, in my opinion, that I've played so far. And I I just don't want to play anymore. I'm I'm not getting far. I'm not enjoying myself. I don't find this the challenge to be anything more than just a barrier. Whereas when I'm playing UN Squadron, I'm just eating shit. (laughs) <laughs> over and over and over again. And yet I'm like, well, let me try one more time. All right. I, I learned how to get past that stealth bomber this time. Right. Let, let me get the submarine. Holy shit. The submarine jumps out of the, the yeah. water like fucking jaws. Yeah. Well, I, can, I can get around that. I can get around too. And uh, 
I don't have any save states because I'm playing on the Raspberry Pi. Mm. And if I did, I would save scum the fuck out of this game <laughs> and get my way through it because I'm really, I'm really, I'm digging this game. Mm-hmm. You mentioned about Lieutenant Colonel Saki Vashtal. He's the long-haired dude with the X on his forehead. Yeah. He's the son of the country that you're trying to protect because it's trying to be overrun and you're part of a foreign legion, which, okay, right there, I forgot. That's like the fourth thing I love about this because when I was a kid, I always wanted to join the French foreign legion because <laughs> everybody did, right? Bugs Bunny probably did. I know for a fact that Abbott and Costello <laughs> joined the French foreign legion and maybe the Three Stooges, you know, maybe... Uh, Tom and Jerry, I don't know. But he is in front of a map. In the arcade, he moves the story along, but it really doesn't mean anything. You do one level after the other. You don't choose Mm -hmm. shit. You just go one level after another. When you were talking about it, you could choose different ways to go and the forces that are coming at you. He tells you what, you know, he tells you certain things. But in the arcade, what happens is he just says, this is your next mission, you're going to protect this, you're going to do that. In the Super Nintendo version, they actually modified it a little bit, that you can grind. If you want to buy things in this game, you can go on these side missions where the different enemies are, what do you got, a plane, and do tanks come after you? There's, I know something there's else There's a couple does. different missions. There's, there's a, And again, this is what I have been able to play and unlock. There's the air combat, obviously, where you fight against other jet fighters. Mm-hmm. There are the land battles where you sweep in and out of a valley and try to right, uh, the valley, disrupt yes. a, a supply chain of trucks. Yep. Uh, and you have a set time to do that. And then there's the submarine or naval battles where there are ships or, or submarines and you have to shoot and bomb them while a few jet fighters will come in and out. And yes... I realized that the tempo of the game is slower than what it felt like to me. Like, it felt like such a fast-paced game. But when I actually, like, stopped shooting and just took a breath and tried to learn the stages, Mm -hmm. there are nice beats between each wave of enemies that were coming through. So you could learn that stage and learn the pattern of, okay, there are six fighters that are going to come in front of me. And then there are four more that are going to come in back of me. Mm-hmm. And then eight are going to come in from this corner. Four will come down this way. Four will come down that way. But between those, you had a few seconds to like, okay, I need to be here. I need to be here now. I need to be here. Like it's not randomly generated or anything like that. Right. And I recommend playing both. There's two other major differences. Like I said, you have the full stock ships when you're in the arcade. Now, in the home version on the Super Nintendo, you can buy any plane you want. Mm-hmm. But you only start with $3,000, I think. Yeah. So you can yeah. buy the the F8, I think. I can't remember what it is. You can't buy any plane in the beginning with your $3,000. You can buy like one of the special attacks or right. bombs. Okay. After your first defeat, I think you have enough cash to buy the first plane upgrade. You certainly do after your first victory, where you get a big chunk of change. Right. So you do start. You start with the F eight E, and the differences between these planes. You have a lot of differences that are in speed and in strength and things like that. But one of the main differences is that when you start, you can only fill up three stock weapons. 
Now, whether you want to buy those or not, it doesn't matter, or have the money for those, it doesn't matter, but you only have three blocks of weapons that this plane can be equipped with. As you get the better planes, you get more and more choices for weapon upgrades and things like that. And you buy these from the shop. So McCoy is there selling you stuff. That's right out of the anime, too. He's selling you stuff in both games, so that's pretty cool. But you can choose whatever plane you want. Now, the other thing with this is is that it has a health meter. Yes. That's great. Now, it's a health meter that doesn't count down like in... uh, I just got Wonder Boy in my mind, but Wonder Boy 3, there's two Wonder Boy 3s. <laughs> but <laughs> Wonder Boy is such an interesting thing that I'd love to get into that one day because it was made by one company and then licensed by Sega, but then was also licensed by Hudson and was also made into Adventure Island. And so there's all these things because this one company that owned the code for it would give it to whoever. That's why there's so many things that look like Wonder Boy. So the Wonder Boy 3, where you're uh, forced scroll and shooting at things, your your life bar actually runs down. That's why you got to keep eating apples and kiwis and shit like that. So it's not based on time in the arcade. And you do st- the same type of things. You turn around and you do all the other stuff. And you fight most of the same bosses, most of the same small enemies. There's a, some added to the Super Nintendo. And as mentioned, there are these... Uh, side missions that you could go on and all your base belong to us because they're they're trying to come (laughs) at your base which uh, has nothing to do with the arcade version arcade version is sort of like a stock type of shooter progression put a quarter in and do this don't have to think strategy and you know this you might say the super nintendo has strategy you might not I say it as strategy because of that money element and because of being able to buy any plane. I say you grind the fuck out of this shit and then you buy the best plane that you can. The top plane. Right. You know, maybe every now and then you buy some power-ups for your crappy F8E. If you don't use that power-up, McCoy will buy back whatever power-up you don't use and then you could reuse that money to buy the same power up or if you get a different plane you can use that that money to put towards a different plane or you know you could buy like the mid-range plane take a stop gap or something it just will make the game longer for you to play Um, well and the other thing too is depending on the mission some of those power-ups aren't really applicable especially that valley mission yes you know you're not going to use the big bomb with the you send up skyhook and a bunch of missiles come down you don't need Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. that mission so th- there is some strategy. And there's a barrier that you could get, things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk about the power bar, and then I get sidetracked. So you have the life bar in the arcade. At home, you also have that life bar. However, when you get hit, the entire life bar goes away, and you're immediately, your whole life shakes <laughs> when you get hit by an enemy. You look at your ship just shaking the shit out of itself when you get hit. And it like brings tension to you. You gotta really then try to avoid anything because you have no life, and then all of a sudden your life bar comes back up to the same level it might be in the arcade when you get hit. In the arcade, you could just get hit and hit and hit and hit until your life bar finally gets to zero. And in Super Nintendo, you get hit once, your life bar just dumps out until you regain control of your jet and then it fills back up that's what i think is so cool about this title that tension i agree i touched on the tempo being slower than how it felt Mm -hmm. it felt like that 
heart-pounding action that you want from a shooter. The visuals coupled with the story elements and the map, everything else, it felt like I was on these different missions, and if I kept fucking up, the enemy was going to encroach closer and closer to the base, in which they did, and then it was red alert, scramble, you got to take care of this enemy. It doesn't matter that you failed this mission three times, you got to come over here before we're invaded. So, like, it all just Mm -hmm. was this really cool and different experience for a shooter on the Super Nintendo that I did not expect because when I think of shooters, the Super Nintendo is probably one of the bottom tier consoles I think about. I think about TG-16, I think about Sega Genesis, but they're all arcade ports. But see, we got this is an arcade port, but oh yeah, okay, okay. What's more deceptive than showing a fighter pilot looks like air combat, but being this UN Squadron Area 88, than a guy on a porch playing a banjo? That's a great shooter. (laughs) Phalanx. Phalanx, yeah. So... Later, when people got a grip on this system, then the shooters became better. Now, you had, at launch, you had Gradius, which is pronounced Gradius. <laughs> I'm going to call it Gradius, though. It's called Balrog in Germany, that's, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I know that when I got my Super Nintendo, I had Super Mario World. This is 91. I had Super Mario World. I think it always was a bundle. I'm pretty sure. I think you could buy it without it, but who the fuck wanted to buy that? I think you got like one controller and nothing else. Maybe you got a book that showed you. Oh, no, you got a VHS tape, I think. I can't remember. (laughs) I can't remember. So you got that. That was awesome sitting there in front of my console TV on my shag rug playing that. It was just such a warm feeling. I was in the chicken coop with all the lights out. Just maybe one very soft light in, in back of me. And playing that playing UN Squadron... I had to buy the Ultraman, even though I knew that was shit. I, I had to reluctantly purchase. I had to add that to the bill. I knew that bill was going to pass, so I tried to duck that one in to under another bill. I slipped that under Final Fantasy II, I think. And now Final Fantasy II in Japan was Final Fantasy IV. Also in America, that was Balrog, I think. <laughs> and I, I know I bought those before I even bought Pilot Wings or F-Zero. Another launch title was Gradius. And then Mm -hmm. not too long after that came Super R-Type. But I didn't buy Gradius because I knew that that slowdown was horrible. And R-Type, Super R-Type, the slowdown in there was horrible too. But thank God for the slowdown in UN Squadron. I don't think I would be able to beat that without that slowdown that happens in there. But especially R-Type, that was, you know, Irem and the Turbo Graphics. I did not want that to be ruined. But like I said, later on, as people got a grip on the system, R-Type 3 was definitely something that I purchased. Super Ghouls and Ghosts came out around launch time, too, that same year, 91. But I didn't buy it then. I knew how that it was impossible to play. And I think I was playing the previous version on my Super Graphics, and I loved that that version i waited for that to come and used i didn't like sim city at that time that was a launch title in america i think i think there was a racing game 
And I really didn't go on a, another buying streak until I think after the Super Scope 6 came out. And, I, and when I talk about the Super Scope 6, I always have to talk about working at KB. And every day, at least three people would come in and, for the Super Nintendo. Do they have Tetris on the Super Nintendo? And this was like people in you know, yeah. Italy. Do they, have, do they have Tetris on Super Nintendo? So then you have to sell them an NES, one of the mini-year ones, the top loaders, which better anyway now they had to have an nes and he had to have the super nintendo just to play tetris so when the super scope six came out i said yeah they have tetris you shoot at with a bazooka but it's tetris man and i don't know and i like i liked it i thought it was like uh-huh. tetris i mean it wasn't tetris and that's but- how you got the job with nintendo they're like you did such a good job fleecing people we like to hire super scope sixes <laughs> now we can finally sell tin star all right so area 88 the anime first i said it was in 1977 so we're talking 91 that this game came out in 79 this manga was started by uh shitani-san i'm not going to say his Mm -hmm. first name because i can't fucking say it but shitani (laughs) shitani was his last name shitani-san it was 23 volumes this thing and it ran from 1979 to 1986 and the thing about this that is mind-boggling is that this was one of the first mangas ever translated into English. And who knows about this? Hmm, now, yeah, have, that's interesting. Have you heard of My the Psychic Girl? No. I think people have heard of that but never read it. So My the Psychic... Oh, my God. My the Psychic Girl. That's a whole nother episode. That's been in developed to be a live-action movie since before... A Nightmare Before Christmas. Burton wanted to do The Psychic Girl. And I think it was all written as like this musical by, what's that one English band? Some type of ribbon and bow for your hair. I can't remember. Sparkle. Oh, geez, I can't remember. Sparks. 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 So Sparks wrote this whole like musical type of thing for it. And it still exists today. Like it's just waiting for someone to fucking do it. And this is way, way ago. Like I said, before Nightmare uh, Before Christmas. But uh, so yeah. Burn got tied up in too much other shit, which is great because he would have probably else. had yeah. Midas Psychic Girl played by a 59 year old man with a beard. I mean, you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It would have been Johnny Depp, his wife, and black and white striped stockings on everything. <laughs> and and uh, Legend of Kamui. I think that's how you I never heard it said. I only know it he was a ninja but he was like a real like what a real ninja would be like if you looked okay. at him you thought uh, he might be like a ronin nah he wouldn't even be like a ronin in plain clothes i don't know you would think he was like some type of sheep herder <laughs> i don't know why i would say that but but it was a really like serious thing and well the f- fucking area 88 was very serious too and mine was semi-serious as well and i think not coppola but well, robotech maybe, was serious it was serious, but it was unbelievable, I think. What was it? Space, Maybe. Spaceship Yamada? Oh, that was great, too. That was serious. You're right, you're right. Those had some yeah. really heart-tugging moments. I we mean, didn't get that, to see them in America. I believe Robotech did, but I know Spaceship Yamada had characters die. Yeah, but in the American version, you know, everything turns out okay. But, I, you know, you know parachutes. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a parachute in Area 88. And uh, this one prick, 
from the uh, Foreign Legion. He uh, he shoots that guy in a parachute to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he shoots right through him. What a jerk, and half of his body falls off, I think. Some of this stuff's really hard. And, you know, Shin is, uh, well, let me tell you about Shin. It became an OVA in uh, 1985, three episodes. I think it's around 195 minutes. I think that's what it was. And then I think there was some TV show that I never saw that came out in 2004 that was uh, maybe a 12-episode series. But see, all of them had, like, a different ending. The manga had one type of ending, the OVA had a different ending, and the TV series had an even different ending. So Shin is in a bar, and he slipped a Mickey by his friend. Did you know I did air quotes there? (laughs) I could tell. Yeah. He slipped a Mickey by Kansaki, his fellow flight trainee, I guess they're in flight school, so Kansaki slips him a Mickey and he just sort of passes out at the bar. It's the night before he's going back to Japan to be with his sweetheart, Yoko. You know, Yoko always ruins everything. Uh, Yoko, mm. Yoko Kansaki. Then after he's half passed out, Kansaki gets Shin to sign a paper that is supposed to allow them to stay out all night. That's what Kansaki says to him. He says, here, sign this paper because... It allows us to stay out all night being in flight school. So he's like, oh, okay. So he signed it, and then he's shaken awake, and it's the next morning. He's been passed out in the bar all night, and he finds out that he signed up for the Foreign Legion. Oh, he got shanghaied, huh? You ain't shitting. So right away, we have a guy that doesn't want to kill the reluctant hero. But he's not really, is he a hero? Because he, you know, he's killing so this place, Aslan, is having a civil war, and that's where X-Head comes from. Aslan is having a civil war, and they, the government has hired out a private army consisting of Area 81 to Area 88, and Area 88 being the jet squadron, Area 1 sort of like jeeps and shit, and people you know talking about stuff. Then Area 82's tanks, and you go to different things like that, and then Area mm-hmm. 88 is finally the jet squadron. And this is all a hired army. It's all a foreign legion. Later in the anime, you find out that the rebels now hired their own foreign legion called the Wolf Pack. Yeah. Yes. Which I ran into in the game. Right. So now it's mercenary versus mercenary. That's that's kind of tight. And the Wolf Pack, of course, uh, X-Pac is the leader of the, the Wolf Pack and, uh, you know, for life. And uh, <laughs> when, when he gets to Area 88, you find out there's only three ways out of Area 88. This doesn't play a part in the game, which is very interesting. The one part does, but you don't know why. You can either serve three years in combat and then get out. And good luck surviving three years in combat. (laughs) Flying every fucking day, sometimes several times a day, air to air, air to ground, blabby blue, running into a fence. I'll talk about that. You can earn $1.5 million and buy your way out. You get money for killing other people. If okay. you earn 1.5 million, you can leave, or you could desert. If you desert, you're probably going to get killed. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Not appearing in the game are the three pilots from Africa that show up. Yes. Ah, we are from Africa. No. Yes. No. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. Japan. Why it's, so racist? It's. But they talk in a Russian accent. It's so oh, weird. Really? Yeah. In the American version. And yeah, so, we're from Africa. <laughs> we love vodka. 
absolutely. Fur, furry hats, please. Vosvodanya. So, we are from Africa. Vosvodanya, yeah. Uh, it's seating on the very thin edge. Uh, there's nothing wrong with three pilots from being from Africa, you know, showing up. But sure. they're sort of, yeah, actually, they turn out to be called uh, the escapee killers. So okay. they're, they're escapee killers. So this is why you wouldn't want to try to desert. And this is when the shit's getting to Shin and he sort of wants to desert. This is when these guys show up. Because I think that he was almost ready to get out. It's like two days till retirement. I'm getting too old for this shit. You know, he was like right. one kill away from, from getting out. And then he wrecked out his plane. And, you know, he's like, fuck this. I can't, I can't kill anymore. So they show up. And you can tell this is fiction because no civilized nation in the world would use hired mercenaries or private <laughs> military to fight a war for them. <sighs> Actually, the only fictional part about that is that the pilots and the army people are getting the money for that. That's the fictional part <laughs> yes, of it, yes, not the companies true. that are the, I'm not going to say Halliburton, mm. but uh, yeah. maybe it rhymes Black with Halliburton. <laughs> yeah. so, now, all the soldiers get is PSTD. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so horrible. Sadly. Yeah, sadly. So this would be okay, but there's some ground mechanics on the tarmac, and they're looking up in the air, and they say, mm-hmm. oh, the recruits are flying around. I can't figure out why these recruits are always bringing in these pieces of shit aircrafts, you know? Why are they always <laughs> flying around these pieces of shit? And then when the three dudes land, they climb down out of those pieces of shit aircrafts, and when they take off their helmets, every pilot and crew on the tarmac, their mouths are aghast, and there's this huge accent music hits. <laughs> so only people without pink faces receive that type of reveal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Creole crayons, what's your favorite color? Go. Uh, Flesh. Yeah. Remember that? They had again. What a bunch of idiots. Fucking, you <laughs> like the flesh color. And it's, you know, tannish. Yeah, tannish yeah. pink. Okay, so this uh, borderline, uh, you know, it's 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 so thin. It's because, let's face it, the Japanese gasp at any fucking thing, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, my God, he's driving a car that has four wheels. <gasps> you know? <laughs> They're very uh, homogenized over there, to put it kindly. Well, that's true. That's true, too. But, I mean, there's reactions to the weirdest things sometimes, too, though. This one's on the very thin edge because they don't say anything. It's just sort of implied. You feel uncomfortable. So that didn't make it into the game. It was pretty forgettable because I didn't remember about it until I rewatched this. And actually, the three pilots from Africa, they're very diverse in their appearance, you know, and their their character. That's good. You know, even though they all talk with a Russian accent, they... They're very, very different. Well, enough of that. So Boris is also in this game. And this sort of personifies the anime. There's a sorte that goes out. And they take maybe a dozen people or maybe a few more planes go out. And let me just tell you, the whole series, you get like (laughs) almost nobody coming back. So yeah. these, so about a dozen people go out in this sort of and they're going to go bomb this base or some such there. The supply base sees them coming, and they're like, pull the switch! And all of a sudden, this giant gate springs up, a giant fence. 
And all the planes, except three planes, they wreck into this giant fence. I don't know how the hell they build this giant fence. So everybody blown all to hell. Except Shin, he folds up the wings on his plane. You know how the, the, when you went in the hangar, you could fold up your wings? Uh-huh. It's on some planes, they'd fold it. So he folds up his wings because they only fold up a little bit. They don't really fold up like over top of the plane. So you don't, like you're just driving a rocket <laughs> or something. So he flies it's like a DeLorean. <laughs> Only backwards, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So he slips through the fence, and then Mickey and Boris, they do the same thing. And Boris is this really cocky guy, and he's, you know, he just wants the money, wants the money. He's going to say, I'm taking all the money myself because I'm going to kill the most people. I guess you only get the money if you kill the most things. Uh, You know, I'm not sure really how that works. I I don't remember that part of it. So he's like, he wants to take all the money, but since there's only three craft left, he's like, we should split it three ways because we made it. So, because they folded up their wings too. And uh, Mickey didn't know that the planes could fly with their wings folded up. He's He's always heard about it but him he didn't he didn't know it so anyway you know <laughs> boris is boris is all yeah they probably can't but boris is all uh yeah, listen just split it two ways and it's in the middle of this big argument they're really giving him shit and they're like shin and mickey they say like fuck you boris fuck off whatever keep your damn money and boris is not no you don't understand no, he's not one of the guys from Africa. He's Boris from, from uh, Russia. No, you don't understand. You can split the money two ways. Then he waxes on and on and on about how, even though like he acted like a jerk, he always considered everybody there in Area 8 to, to be his truest friends of all time. He drops his mask down, and there's a bullet hole in his chest. Oh. Like, I took one in the old... Uh, I can't remember what he called squeeze box. I'm going to say accordion. <laughs> yeah, just to make this very dramatic moment, the iron lung. I took it, in. but and then all of a sudden his plane just starts veering off as he starts dying. And Shin's like, "No, no, pull up, pull up!" And then poof, dead. So that sort of uh, that sort of sets a big tone for that. And speaking of slipping to Mickey, Mickey, we talked about being the blonde-haired war veteran he's in this war because he loves he likes war he loves war and f f14 tomcat i'm not sure what 19xx this whole story takes place in but mickey was in nam whoa yeah mickey's been around yeah the reason that he likes f14 is because that's what he flew in nam now mickey was in nam but the tomcat was not in nam (laughs) it wasn't used in vietnam the tomcat can only do air to air it can't do air to ground uh right now, it was used to escort other jet fighters um, during the exit from Saigon, but it, it wasn't used you know, during the war. But he was, he was a murdering son of a bitch that doesn't know how he thought he could live among normal folk when he got back from the war. He, he got out of Nam, and his post-traumatic stress disorder was, I got to keep killing. Nothing here is satisfying. Right. What am I doing? I, I don't have a purpose. So that's why he joined this foreign legion to go back. Dark, to dark. Yeah. Grey Gates, just this big scruffy oaf in his A-10. He's probably going to be there for the rest of his life because almost every landing ends with his plane blowing all to hell. He, it's always a crash landing. It's like, God damn it, another plane. And then you got to buy. He's the you Perkins gotta, of the universe. Absolutely. So you got to buy another plane. 
So that's where this whole money thing comes in. That's where this 1.5, you're trying to make $1.5 million. Now, you're not trying to do that in the game. But every time that you use a weapon or you need a new plane, then you got to go to McCoy. He can sell you the plane. He can sell you a roll of film. He can sell you some toilet paper. He's introduced very early in the anime as he is introduced very early in the game in the game and like i said great gates has a very small part but you know he's always like the gung-ho nothing goes wrong hey let's go get him everybody i'm big and I'm, i've got a beard <laughs> chin has one more plane to shoot down and he'll make his 1.5 and he'll bounce and he shoots down his last twenty thousand dollar plane he's all by himself and i guess it's twenty thousand dollars to kill someone in another plane he goes to kill him and he's like i'm sorry I got to kill you, though, because I got to get the fuck out of here. And he squeezes the trigger and he's out of ammo. And so he's got to get the fuck out of there. And he gets a side rewinder right up his plane's poop chute. And he crash lands. And now he needs to buy another jet. And it's a half a million dollars. And then it gets darker from there. And uh, you have a Coke and a smile. Shin is sitting in the corner in the mess hall and he's just looking out and how the fuck am I ever going to do this? I can't deal with this anymore. This is, there's this other pilot that's from Japan and I can't remember why he signed up, but he's going to go get a, a, execute it because he tried to escape. He didn't want to do it, but he says, I want to talk to Shin because Shin's, I guess the only other Japanese guy there. So Shin gets shit from this guy that's going to go get the firing squad. And like Shin overhears the whole thing about, I don't want to die. And also, yeah. and there's a lot more in the anime about Yoko and uh, Kansaki and an orphanage and an assassin and subterfuge and revenge and psychosis and big business corruption and Charlie's Buster Brown Dutch boy haircut. And then Speed is there before the, the Speed, the movie Speed, because Yoko and Lieutenant Colonel X-Forehead, they're on this commercial flight. They find out that there's a bomb attached underneath the plane, two bombs attached underneath the plane, and that if they go be, be, below a certain altitude, the bombs are going to blow up. So this is like speed before speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's also indecent proposal in here before indecent proposal. Yoko has nice. Tra- <laughs> Yoko, <laughs> Yoko wants to trade stock to have enough money so she could pay off Shin's 1.5 million dollars. Now she just found out he's alive by because he's been gone for a few years. She sees this Time magazine or something and an interview about somebody, and in the background she sees Shin climbing into a plane on this photo. And she's like, she's still alive, and then finds out more about this stuff. Because, like I said, she was on this commercial flight trying to fly to the Middle East. And then Kansaki puts the kibosh on that and talks to her father. And her father's sick, and Kansaki like, buys out the joint that her father owned. So she wants to cash out her stocks to pay off the $1.5 million to get Shin out of there. And Shin doesn't know anything about this. You know, he doesn't know anything about what Yoko's doing. And it was just a real change to anime that I was watching up to that point. Because like you said, Spaceship Yamada and, and stuff like that. So when I got the Area 88 on the, the Laserdisc, it just had this real different feeling about it. That had a special feeling. The Super Nintendo game had a special feeling about it sitting on that, the floor there. That's really why I, I couldn't wait to review this game, and I'm so glad that somebody uh, could review it with me. So Yeah, yeah, you know, this is a perfect example of how the powers that be in the 90s had no idea what the youth wanted, 
we so desperately yearned for anime mm-hmm. right. back then, but they were still doing shitty airbrush box art <laughs> for things. <laughs> yeah. Like, if they just slapped these characters on that box for the North American release, yeah. it would have sold gangbusters because it's like, oh, that's that art style I like. That's that Asian animation. I don't even know if people were using anime at the time, 1991. I think in the mid-90s it was Japanimation. But people, right. were, you heard rumblings like, oh, my buddy's got a VHS copy of Ninja Scroll. Or, hey, uh, did you check out Vampire Hunter Day? Or, hey, did you ever hear of this thing Dragon Ball? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, it was like these rumblings, but we so yearned for it. And, uh, yeah, I think more people would have played this game and appreciated it for what it was if we knew what it was. But back then, there was no internet. You had to judge it by its cover. And my 60 bucks here and my 60 bucks there, well, I like that cover better. I'm going to spend my 60 bucks over here. They, they were $50 games, and I remember Final Fantasy was like $80. Oh, gosh, yeah, the, the RPGs back then. They had to make their money back because nobody was... Bu- and yes, it, and they that, were popular. Yes, they, they were great, but they did not sell like your sports games or your fighters. Right. And that's the one I bundled in, the, my Ultraman in with, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> figure that shit out. And that's Area 88 as a whole. I mean, where did we get things like this that actually turned out to be great games? And I thought about it, and, you know, maybe Taito's uh, The Boxing Game. I shouldn't have even mentioned it because uh, I wanted to mention during Punch Out. Now I can't even think of his name, Joe. Well, I think we reviewed that game yeah, too. What's his name, Joe? Uh, Big Nose Joe. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If you want to find out what it's called, all you have to do is go to wetalkgames.com/slash in the can. By the way, our website no longer has the ability to show the feed. I will be putting that tab back in. I put SSLs on all of our sites now. So now, you know, it doesn't say unsecure. So we have SSLs. But FeedBurner dumped out of the ability to show the feed at all. Because it's coming from... And then I figured out why. They give you the wrong feed URL. I figured out how to go. But I'll be putting it in place. And it still doesn't give you what the episode's about. So we have episodes called... We talk games 15. What is that about? Who the hell knows? Right. Um, so eventually I put in something that could give us a little more metadata. But right now you could just subscribe through anything that you do subscriptions with. Ashido no Joe. Ashido no Joe. So yeah, is you that right? go to wetalkgames.com slash in the can. And with the limited information you gave me, basically Joe, I, I was able to search Joe and right. find the game, which is Ashida no Joe, which we yeah. did review. Right. Like, yeah. you could put in Chacken. You can put in Chack. Yeah. You get Chack and Pop. You could put in... Chack and Pop. Dog for uh, Dog Fight. Batten O'Hara. No <laughs> such Karako. <laughs> but you could put in game companies, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, you could put in Taito, Namco, uh, Capcom. No, I want to... You the- put in Bally and, and listen to our Snacks and Jackson review. You can put in Nichibutsu. You could put in... Uh, I don't know. You could just start typing the letter Z and you find all the games with the letter Z. Yeah. Or you could just look at the different pages. For each game, we'll have the title, the graphic for the title, the right. copyrighted title. <laughs> Who cares? Play this game because it was one of the best shooters, especially for coming out right around the system launch. The other two, like I said, were Gradius and R-Type. And those yeah. have tremendous slowdown. And since this game is slower paced... <laughs> 
you don't you don't really notice it much notice it as much and when you do notice it it is welcomed because it's usually well it's always when a ton of bullets are on the screen at the same time it sort of helps you get through it because there was no slow motion or turbo fire on uh, the super nintendo until later Mm. Yeah. And the other neat things that they changed at the end, you always get to see your pilot and his plane in the arcade and also in the Super Nintendo. And they put the mode seven on the jet to make it do a barrel roll. The endings are funny because no matter who you play and beat the game with, you fight the last boss inside this cave. And all of a sudden you see the two other guys that you aren't, <laughs> the two other protagonists that you aren't. They're flying their plane. They think that you just got murdered in that cavern because it blows all to hell then all of a sudden the person that you were comes out of there and now everybody's happy so (laughs) it's just kind of goofy that no matter who you are the other two people are worried about you and then you come shooting out of the flames and everybody's happy it did take us to the morning okay bye see the Indy 500. I go there with friends to drive and race. Every year when they go there to qualify, they usually have to go as fast as they possibly can to get a front row position. They put nitro in their cars sometimes instead of the fuel that's intended to be in the cars so that their cars will go faster. And they do for five or ten laps. And then they blow all the hell. And you people, you kids, If you put nitro in your bodies, in the form of narcotics, so that you can do better, or so that maybe you think you can do better, you will for about five or ten years, and then you'll blow all the hell. Virginia Rode a boy with a six gun in his hand And his daring life of crime Made him a legend in his time East and west of the Rio Grande Well he started Colorado In the pocket of his vest A colt he hid And his age and his size Took the teller by surprise And 
word spread of Billy the Kid. Well, he never traveled heavy. Yes, he always rode alone. And he soon put many older guns to shame. And he never had a sweetheart. To track him down And it served as a legend well For the folks they love to tell When Billy the Kid came to town Of the Rio Grande 